I just saw anxiety in my life go down by about 90%. And what I realized was happening was I was being transformed by the renewing of my mind, Romans 12, 2, and neuroplasticity brain scans to show that through repeated thoughts and actions, changes happen in the brain. The things you used to struggle with, you no longer struggle with. Uh, new pathways are, are grown and developed. Welcome to the Know Why Podcast. I'm your host, Liberty McCarter. For many of us, it's not enough to know what people say about life's most important questions. We also want to know why. Each week, Know Why tackles tough questions on topics ranging from spirituality to current events. While we approach these issues from a Christian perspective, we discuss diverse opinions and ultimately dive into what the research says. Are you ready to know why? Let's get started. Is it possible to thrive when I have anxiety and depression? Welcome to the Know Why podcast. I'm your host, Liberty McCarter. Anxiety and depression are words that many millennials and members of Gen Z are very familiar with. They are rampant problems in our culture, and a lot of people may be asking, "Is it, can I really live or, or thrive in life when I'm struggling with these things? Um, even more, people might be wondering, how do we deal with these things? And and so we're going to talk about that today and actually talk about the intersection of brain science and dealing with a lot of these struggles and also biblical truth. And if that sounds uh, like two things that don't mix, well, then you'll want to listen to this episode. My guest today is Ben Bennett. He is an author, speaker, and the director of the Resolution Movement, which is a global movement helping young people overcome hurts and struggles and thrive in life. Ben has faced addiction, trauma, and other mental health struggles in his journey toward a wholehearted life. Through many mistakes, missteps, false starts, and restarts, Ben discovered that proven tools and principles have helped him overcome the hurts and struggles that hindered his journey toward wholeness. For the past 10 years, he has partnered with world-renowned therapists and ministry leaders, helping individuals young and old understand and work through underlying factors driving the unhealthy patterns in their lives. Ben offers a unique and fresh perspective on how to find freedom, healing, and a life of thriving through Christ and others. He has been a staff member of Josh McDowell Ministry since 2017, and I'm very excited to have him here. So welcome, Ben. Hey, Liberty. Thanks so much for having me. Looking forward to our discussion. Yeah, so let's just talk about um, when the Resolution Movement was launched. At that time, uh, the Resolution Movement put out these statistics that 70% of teens say anxiety and depression are major problems amongst their peers. People ages 16 to 24 are 63 times more lonely than those over 75 years old. Only 4% of Gen Z hold a biblical worldview. 76% of men and women ages 18 to 24 regularly seek out porn. And suicide is the second leading cause of death among young people. Um, and I actually spoke with you in 2020 for an article I was writing about how the COVID-19 pandemic, which was just beginning at that point, um, was making all of this even worse. So there are some statistics out there. A lot of people are probably already familiar with those. Um, but suffice it to say, young adults are really struggling right now. Um, is there any other information or statistics we should know as we begin this conversation? Yeah, there's a couple more that um, have been significant for me in, in my research the past year or two since, well, I guess it's almost been two years since mm -hmm. we launched the resolution movement and and a little, yeah, since the pandemic began. But one was that um, in uh, by the, it was January 2021, almost a year after the pandemic had been going on, um, the number of adults, and this includes young adults struggling with 
or who would say that they have symptoms of anxiety and depression went up from 11% to 41%. So it quadrupled. Um, That's like nothing we've ever seen um, before, in my understanding. And one of the other statistics is that today, only 30% of pastors say they feel very well equipped um, to help people with their mental and emotional troubles. So um, there's this huge gap between the need and the amount of people struggling. I mean, it's almost half of people um, dealing significantly with mental health struggles and then um, few and far between <clears throat> pastors in, in the church feeling very well equipped to help. Wow. Well, that's um, that's tragic. And, and like you said, I think unprecedented, just that spike in how many people are dealing with these issues. And Fortunately, you have co-written a book um, called Free to Thrive, uh, which we'll be talking about a lot today. And and so you kind of talk about um, how we can address these issues and maybe if there are any people in ministry listening, listening who are, you know, part of that number who are struggling to know how to deal with these rising problems. This is a resource that you should check out. But um you wrote this book and you helped write this book because you're familiar with these issues. So can you share a bit of your own background? So I grew up um, in Virginia and grew up um, going to church. Faith was very important to me uh, early on. Um, I had a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ and his life, death, and resurrection. And growing up, though, I had this spiritual knowledge and understanding, but it was deeply disconnected from my emotional health, my physical health, and my mental and relational health. Mm -hmm. And so growing up early on, the family I lived in, we didn't talk about emotions much, mental health, how we were really doing. There was a high emphasis on rules and doing the right thing. And um, I just grew up experiencing lots of emotional abuse, anger from my dad, um, constantly feeling like I, I couldn't measure up. So early on, I felt really alone. I felt like I wasn't good enough, <clears throat> and I struggled to make sense of what I was dealing with. And um, quickly, I, I got diagnosed with anxiety and depression, obsessive-compulsive disorder. Um, I started having these out-of-body experiences. What what I learned later is called dissociation Um mm-hmm because of the things I was experiencing. I got addicted to food. I got addicted to pornography. I like to say that I had this cocktail of compulsions of trying to survive, trying to deal with life. And for years, I, I, I didn't know that there were answers, that were there were solutions. Um, being involved in, in the church and, and youth group, eventually in a college ministry, um, I never really understood how much separation was going on there in, in my life? I, I thought it was um, that, that this was going to be the life I was going to live forever, addicted and anxious and um, depressed. And it wasn't until I um, found true help. I, I hit my version of rock bottom. I was so sick of being sick and tired and struggling I knew that freedom had to be there, but I was trying everything I was hearing um, from Christians at the time, but it just didn't seem to work. I got involved in in 
therapy with a, well, he was a therapist, but he had also been a pastor for three decades. He um, knew the Bible so well, and he also knew psychology and neuroscience so well. And he became a mentor of mine. Uh, I went through recovery, and I, I found these uh, answers for the first time of, of what I'd been longing for. And um, so much of it was actually in there, there in the, the Bible, but I had, I had missed it. Um, all along. And, and God really used that to bring healing and freedom to my life. And then I started speaking and writing and leading other people, helping them start their healing journey and have just been doing that uh, ever since. It's a joy to get to be a part of other people's lives and their healing journeys. Wow. Well, you know, you talked about, uh, shared some of your struggles and um, and in Free to Thrive, you discuss that, you know, we have these what you call unwanted behaviors. Um, but in the book, you say that these unwanted behaviors are actually our attempted solutions, which is really um, an interesting way to think about it. So could you explain that a little more? Yeah, that's a great question, Liberty. You know, I I know in my own life, struggling with anxiety, depression, um, pornography, anger, so many things, um, we call those unwanted behaviors. It could be any thought, any belief, any um, action, any struggle you've tried to stop but but seem to not be able to. And a lot of times uh, what we see is that we just want to get rid of them. We're, we're sick of them. We, we don't want this to be part of our life. And we see it as um, a problem. And they can create problems. And sometimes they are very prob- problematic, mm-hmm. but ultimately we've got to realize that those things are our solutions. They're there for a reason. We're trying um, to get something through them or we're, we are reacting to something in our current life or, or from the past. And that's why, you know, it's, it's never random. There's something going on there um, that has a cause and we, we have to discover what the cause is and what we are looking for and why we are doing those things to find what we're actually looking for and, and how God can heal those things and the, um, how those, the deeper longings can be satisfied in a healthy way. I know for a lot of people, they're longing for acceptance or love or, or safety, and these things come in as an attempt to protect themselves, to try and find some pseudo-resolve um, to it. So mm-hmm. for me, for years, I thought that pornography was um, just this problem, just the sin issue, which it was, but I thought it was just that until I started to realize why I went to it and the, the deficits in my soul and the longing for love and nurture and connectedness. And I found a counterfeit version in pornography, but God um, created us with those legitimate needs, those legitimate needs for, for nurture and connection to be satisfied in much different, healthier ways. And so that was key in understanding um, to, to my own healing journey and how to find that. Yeah, and I in your book, you know, you talk about these unmet longings, and there's actually a, a list um, that you give and how we all have these longings um, in us as humans. And, and so these are at the root a lot of times of these unwanted behaviors, correct? Yeah, exactly. All throughout scripture and also in 
sociology, we, we see that um, every human being has these deep longings, these desires that motivate, that motivate everything they do. Uh, for example, Proverbs 4.23, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. So God has given uh, us these heart desires, these heart longings that drive everything we do. And there's seven of them we, we talk about in the book, but I'll just highlight two of them. Uh, the first one is acceptance. And I define this as to be included, loved, and approved of as you are, no matter what. Mm. And so we were created for the Garden of Eden, this perfect world where all of these longings were met. There was no hurt. There was no pain. There was just trust. There was just our needs being met by God, by others, true flourishing. Um, but on this side of Eden, um, all you have to do is look around at all the pain, all the rejection, all the hurt, the trauma, the abuse. Just turn on the news to see that we often don't experience these things. But God desires us to. Romans mm-hmm. fifteen seven says, accept one another then just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. And that's one of the beautiful things about Jesus, about Christianity. We're loved and approved of God, accepted by God um, as a result of Jesus's work. We don't have to try and perform. We don't have to try and earn God's acceptance. No, we can receive it freely. And we're supposed to offer that to other people. Um, I know how important and impactful that has been in my life when it's been met, but also how it's um, been unmet. Like I talked about in, in a little bit of, of my life growing up, experiencing the opposite of acceptance for who I was, experiencing rejection, the, the painful toll and the deficits uh, that created in, in my life. And then the second one I'll share about uh, is appreciation, to be thanked or encouraged for what you've done, to be thanked or encouraged for what you've done. You know, I, I don't believe that there's lazy people or that there's people um, that, yeah, that are that, that are lazy, that are just not motivated. I believe there's people who haven't been believed in, who haven't been appreciated, who haven't, people haven't said to them, good job. Uh, because what this does is it creates when it's met, it creates people that feel capable and that feel like they can take those risks and they can try. And uh, these are two of the seven longings that um, often go unmet in our, our daily lives or worse, they're outright rejected um, growing up and it will create these deficits in our soul and they're God given. And so everything we do is being driven by our heart and so we have to, got to look at what are the pieces of my heart? How is my heart not whole? How have these gone unmet? And what's coming out of my heart? What's the fruit being produced um, where God wants to heal this? He wants to heal the root and he wants to change the fruit. Wow, that's so good. I I love um, just the way that you talk about acceptance and appreciation being two of these longings because I think I see that so much Um you know, especially in our generations and younger people, um, even issues like bullying or social issues, um, the deprivation of the kind of, you know, social community that a lot of people have right now. Um, people aren't oftentimes getting the acceptance and appreciation that they 
that they need from their family and from their peers. So I think that probably hits home for a lot of our listeners. Mm. Um, And then again, just, you know, talking about how these unwanted behaviors um, have roots and are a lot of mental struggles like depression, anxiety. There are reasons behind why we feel those ways. Um, But a lot of times, especially for people who are raised in the church or in Christian circles, we heard messages like, you just need to read the Bible more. You need to love God more. You need to have a stronger faith. Um, And maybe these were well-meaning, quote unquote, encouragements. But as you talk about, um, they're not really helpful. So there is actually brain science. I'm going to try to say this right. Neuroplasticity. Um, that you talk about. And and that's a very interesting thing that we have to consider when we're overcoming these unwanted behaviors. So can you kind of talk about the brain science behind it? Yeah. So the, you know, what I heard so much um, trying to deal with uh, my addiction to pornography or just what I've heard so many pastors even today say about uh, anxiety is that the answers are often, well, you just got to love Jesus more, or just pray more about it, that God takes it away, or read the Bible more. You know, if, if you starve those other things, and you read the Bible and get the Word of God in you, then that stuff will go away. But the problem with those things is, is, is they're focused on the wrong, wrong thing. They're not focused on the, the root of the behavior, the actual cause. And actually, when we start to study the Bible more, we actually, re- we actually realize that, no, the Bible talks about solutions to this. So we don't just need to read the Bible, we need to do the Bible. For example, all the one another's throughout the New Testament, love one another, pray for one another, confess your sins to one another. Um, in doing those things, not just reading the Bible, but doing the Bible, we find true connection, we can find uh, resolve to these unmet longings. Um, but one of the things, like you mentioned, that we see in in the Bible is this idea of neuroplasticity, or what scientists are now calling neuroplasticity. It's the idea, idea that your brain is moldable and changeable. And for example, Romans 12.2 says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Our minds can actually change. They can rewire. Um, the, our thought patterns can change. We can overcome old patterns of thinking. Uh, anxiety can change. Uh, I'll tell you personally, uh, in my life dealing with anxiety for years, it just felt like this automatic bodily fearful fearful response to things like, um, oh, I've got a hard conversation next week with that person. And there was this bodily response of anxiety. And a lot of times I didn't know what it was about, but there was actually thoughts associated. Once I I brought these subconscious thoughts into the conscious, I realized, oh my gosh, it's about, I'm afraid of rejection. Mm. Why do I fear conflict so much and have anxiety about that? Well, growing up, what I experienced was it wasn't okay to have conflict. It meant that I was bad. Mm -hmm. Um, Conflict with with my father always meant that I was the problem. And so that that got stored in my mind, in my body, and then was coming up in, in the present. But what I started to realize is, no, I could be transformed by the renewing of my mind. Once I figured out what it was about, I could, I could actually attack those thoughts with what was true. Okay, I'm fearing rejection here, but let me remember who God says I am. I'm valued not based on my opinions, but by who I, I am. And that person may disagree with me, but that doesn't mean they're rejecting me. 
And so I was able to start renewing my mind based on that. Another thing, um, you know, Philippians 4 says, think about things that are true, that are noble, that are right, that are pure. Uh, So often anxiety in my life was by these automatic negative thoughts or automatic fearful thoughts or assumptions. And a lot of times they had, they had, um, they, they made sense. They were based on, okay, I had these past negative experiences and where I was rejected or where I wasn't safe in this situation. So in adulthood, that was coming up again. And I had these negative thoughts that were going on. But, but what I needed, what the Bible says, to not dwell on those things. Think about things that are true, that are noble, that are right, that are pure. So I started telling myself the truer and better story. God's going to keep me safe. Um, come hell or high water, he's, he's for me. He's with me here in believing that and visualizing that. And I just saw anxiety in my life go down by about 90%. And what mm-hmm. I realized was happening was I was being transformed by the renewing of my mind, Romans 12, 2, and neuroplasticity brain scans to show that through repeated thoughts and actions, changes happen in the brain. The things you used to struggle with, you no longer struggle with. Uh, new pathways are, are grown and developed. Um, it makes sense. Uh, an analogy is, is if, if you've ever known somebody who's uh, experienced a stroke or gotten into an accident and they did physical therapy and relearned certain motor skills, what is actually happening in the brain is they're being transformed by the renewing of their mind. New, mm-hmm. neuro- new neurological pathways are being grown and that's how God designed our, our bodies. You know, as the Holy Spirit's at work in us, uh, we're growing new pathways. We're overcoming things. Our struggles of today don't have to be our struggles of tomorrow. Wow. Well, I, I love the way you explained that because I think, um, you know, just because of somebody's worldview or maybe because they got false or misguided messages from the church in the past, um, a lot of people may think that, you know, a scientific approach to overcoming mental struggles is at odds with a biblical approach. But from what you're talking about, they actually go together really well. Absolutely. You know, in in my life, the more I've studied science, I've been convinced of um, the Christian worldview. And the more I've studied the Christian worldview, I've been convinced of of science. Wow. Well, speaking of the Bible, um, we noted earlier that only 4% of Gen Z have a biblical worldview. Um, And something that we talked about uh, back in 2020 when we had a conversation for another article that I was working on, um, you said that a lot of people of this generation are not asking whether Christianity is true, but whether it is good. And I thought that was um, really, really striking. It it really hit me as, you know, something that we need to think about um, as we talk to others about Christianity or for people listening who maybe are still thinking about whether or not they accept Christianity as true, they might be wondering, is it good? Because we live in a world where a lot of people um, don't feel safe anymore, and these mental struggles, they are skyrocketing. So what is something that you wish more members of Gen Z understood about Christianity in light of all of this? You know, there's been so many things that have come up related to this recently in in my life. Um, And this hits close to home. I, I had a I have a friend who um, I've known for years and was um, 
real strong Christian and then started doubting the Bible, doubting God's design for things, and now has, um, as people call it today, deconstructed or or walked away from his faith and says he's <clears throat> happier and more kind and um, <clears throat> just had a lot of, of strong opinions. And, and ultimately, he said he's just seen too many people hurt um, mm. by Christianity. And um, that broke my heart. And But I also resonated with him a, a, a lot. You know, I, I've seen a lot of people hurt by um, certain Christians. I wouldn't say Christianity or the teachings of of Jesus. Um, but when it comes down to it, we all, whether or not we realize it, we all care about truth. And we live our lives based on what we believe is true and what's false. You know, every day, most of us are, are using our, our phone and trying to get somewhere, using our GPS. Well, if your GPS works half the time and half the time it gets you to the true location, like say you're going out for, I don't know, Taco Bell. You want mm-hmm. to get to Taco Bell and it takes you to um, KFC, Chick-fil-A. Well, that may be a better thing going into Chick-fil-A, <laughs> but it gets you to KFC. You care about that. You're like, gosh, why is this thing not working? Mm-hmm. You care about truth. And so many of us have this every day. We're living so many different things based on truth. So we actually do care about truth. Um, And so I think that's one of the the first things. Um, One of the second things when it comes to the the deeper felt need that that people have is Christianity good is we have to step back from this current cultural moment and, and look at where we're at. Even asking the question, is Christianity truth? You have to use Christian ethics. The reason people have human rights today, and we value that, is because of the spread of Christianity. Mm-hmm. I mean, just looking, studying, if you take some time and, and look at secular scholars from the past 2,000 years, Jesus popularized the idea of human rights and value, and for us to even be able to feel like we have the ability to question things and that our voice matters. That, that came from Jesus, mm-hmm. um, this idea of humility versus pride. If you look at the the early church and the Roman Empire, it was all about power and how much money you had and um, getting what's best for you and not caring for other people or, or being humble. That came from Christianity. So, so many things that we take for granted and live our lives based on today uh, in, in the Western world are based on Christianity. So, if you if you ask the question, is Christianity good? We'll, we'll strip away Christianity from its impact on society, and it would be awful. Mm. People wouldn't have rights. Racism would be abounding. Um, classism, um, people being murdered and there being no problem with that. Slavery, uh, all of these things, humility, kindness, all of these things come from Christianity. And so that's how I've been starting to think about it recently in in my studies and just looking at the known world and how the good we have uh, comes from Christianity. Wow. Those are great points. Um, And just to add to that a little bit, I think, you know, the more you actually, one, studies Jesus in the Bible, we realize that he was breaking down barriers. He was spending time with and reaching out to and befriending uh, 
people that he was not supposed to, you know, because of the social rules at the time, he was breaking down those barriers. He was questioning the religious leaders and challenging them um, and calling them out as hypocrites. And so, you know, there are always going to be imperfect uh, people in the world, and we're always going to to see some of these problems. But if, you know, Christians, the, that the term is actually little Christ. And so if if we say that we are Christians, then we need to be following Jesus' example. Um, and, and that's what people need to look to when they're thinking about Christianity. So a lot of really great stuff, uh, Ben. But I, I wanted to ask you another question about um, how so many people are lonely. I think the statistic was um, that I mentioned before, uh, you said that ages 16 to 24 per, uh, years old are 63 times more lonely than people who are over 75 years old. Um, and so we really have like a need, I don't know if you would call it an unmet longing, um, to connect with other people. And and you talk about in the book that having a healthy relationship with other people is key to healing. So could you talk about that a little bit? Mm-hmm. One of the things I've realized is that loneliness is not a lack of friends. It's a lack of meaningful connection. Mm. And this is why so many people today um, can have surface level relationships in person or be so connected on social media, texting their friends, sending Snapchats, yet have no, no real conversation of substance, not being known and so feel so lonely, Lo- uh, like more connected than ever and lonelier than ever. Mm-hmm. And so what it means, what it looks like to have true connection is to have these seven longings that our book, Free to Thrive, talks about fulfilled in relationships and the, to meet those in uh, the lives of others. So that means really getting to know people. What are their fears? What are their hopes? How are they actually doing? Why, w- what were the emotions they felt um, today? What's making them disappointed? What's causing anxiety or stress in their lives? What do they care about? What do they believe? And meeting these and having them met in in the lives of other people. So it looks like moving towards true connection with other people and and with God. He's omnipresent. He's all places at all times. We can talk to him at any time and we can dwell on the the ways he has shown his goodness to us and that um, immediately can start breaking the chains of of loneliness in our lives. Uh, Well, Ben, this is um, just a great conversation. I've enjoyed it so much. We are running out of time. So before um, we log off and I give our listeners more information about where to find your book, is there anything else you'd like to add today? I would say as I've, I've thought about this, um, you know, we, we can't talk about all these things without talking about people and, and stories and, and, you know, some of the things we go through are, are so difficult. It's, it's easy to try and give answers um, to them, but the reality is that there's, I know, so much deep pain and, and hurt, and I've mm-hmm. seen that in my life, my friend's life, walking away from the, the faith, and I've continued to think, you know, it's not that the bad's not bad, it's that the good is too good to walk away from. And mm-hmm. so as we investigate Jesus, his design for life, um, uh, the, the, the truth we actually care about truth and truth matters and um, the impact of, uh, of Jesus and how he designed us to, to heal. Um, there's just so much, so much hope. I, I've seen it in my life and so many other people's lives. We, uh, um, 
quick story. Had a guy um, recently in in Mexico um, was struggling during the pandemic. He was 17 at the time, struggling, depressed, had a suicide attempt, and that's when he kind of realized, man, what is going on? I'm deeply struggling, yet I'm going to church and reading my Bible and having little impact on my life, sadly. And he found um, one of our podcasts about uh, what the Bible actually teaches about true connection and healthy relationships. And um, he realized, oh my gosh, I'm getting, I'm having all these toxic relationships and it's weighing on me. And I feel what I'm going through is depression and that's what I'm experiencing. And I need healthy relationships. He started moving towards that. He started talking about what was really going on, crying out to God. And he started to see, as he applied these principles, himself set free from um, depression and suicidal thoughts. And now he's away at Bible college and he's sharing his testimony because he knows so many other people are struggling. He knows his non-Christian friends are struggling with stuff he struggled with too. And he's, he's just talking about how Jesus brought him hope and, and answers, and um, now he's making an impact on, on other people's lives. So as dark as it gets, it can get better. Mm. Well, at the beginning of this episode, we asked the question, is it possible to thrive when I have anxiety and depression? And I think this conversation and Ben's testimony has proven that, yes, it is. And, and Ben is a walking testimony of that. So are so many people that he knows and has helped. And if any of our conversation has piqued your interest today, or if we've described things that you're going through and you want to learn more about it, um, please check out this book. I'm reading it right now, almost done with it. It's it's really great, very fascinating um, information and super helpful. It's called Free to Thrive, How Your Hurt, Struggles, and Deepest Longings Can Lead to a Fulfilling Life. Um, and Ben is the director of the Resolution Movement, so you can find more information about him there. Um, so thank you so much for joining us uh, today, Ben. It's been really great having you. Liberty, thanks so much for having me. Great to chat with you again, and uh, blessings to you. Uh, with the podcast and all the awesome stuff you're doing. Well, thank you. Um, I am Liberty McCarter, host of the Know Why podcast. And if there's anything that you're interested in learning more about that we've talked about today, um, as I've just mentioned, you can look it up. You can also go to our website and you can find that information um, on our blog post that will accompany this episode. Thanks for listening. <laughs>